The Chargers have signed former Rams linebacker Troy Reader to a one-year contract after not re-signing Kazir White. We get into that and the rest of the linebacker room on today's Locked On Chargers podcast. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, but we're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen today. And as always, to not miss the show, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. So over the weekend, the Chargers decided to bring in former Rams linebacker and Someone that Brandon Staley coached in 2020, Troy Reader, to a one-year contract, which I think confused a lot of fans because of how little they let Kazir White go for, right? And we don't know have the contract details yet, but there's almost no number it could be where it would still make a ton of sense. So we're going to get into that, what we think his role is going to be before also getting into if it could potentially be an insurance policy for Kenneth Murray, who just got ankle surgery and kind of the drama that went along there, getting surgery 10 weeks after the season. We'll get into his reasoning why. Before wrapping up the show with what the rest of the linebacking unit looks like with guys like Drew Tranquil, our boy Bong, Eamon, Ogbog, Bamiga, and also Nick Neiman, two guys from last year entering their second season. So, David, it starts here, though, with the signing. The Chargers are not done in free agency. They are bringing in Troy Reader, which I think probably upset a lot of fans because, I mean, if you're just looking at, you know, bringing in a linebacker, he doesn't bring a ton to the table. It's not one of those signings where you're like, okay, I instantly see it. He's a really, really good player. So when you saw that the Chargers were deciding to bring this guy in, what was your reaction? Honestly, my re- my reaction was kind of just lukewarm. I mean, I, this wasn't a move I thought was going to move the needle uh, as far as the linebacker group is concerned. It wasn't a guy that had a you know a high pedigree. He was un- he's an undrafted player. Uh, you know, you got to appreciate the ability to work your way onto an NFL squad and the perseverance involved in that and the hard work that's required yeah, to be able course. to do that. Um, um, but I mean, as far as, you know, a guy that's going to come in and be the savior, I don't think I, I got that kind of feeling. Yeah. And I mean, you were talking about before an undrafted out of Delaware, former teammate of Nazir Adderley, two guys coming from an FCS program to make it to the show. Right. I mean, that's pretty much all you can ask for if you're playing somewhere like that. And Troy reader has, you know, carved out a role for himself and a second contract for himself good for him right but yes just as far as a total linebacker goes as far as what he brings to the table there's a lot of areas which he struggles i mean especially missed tackles last year is the best season he's had as far as missed tackles and he still missed 12.4 percent of his tackles anything in double digits (laughs) is not great and it was 13 total tackles all in all but he also missed i mean the way he was missing tackles too just high tackles things like that he was a little late to get to some of the reads and that's the one thing you'd probably advocate for right is just hey at least this guy knows brandon staley's system and you were saying like yeah his best pff graded season was his one year with brandon staley still wasn't great right but it was better than the other two seasons that he's had in the league and i went back and watched him i mean there's not a lot to really you know talk about as far as like a true positives go doesn't bring a lot in coverage he's not like a true 
run stuffing linebacker. He does seem to follow his assignment most of the time. Sometimes he struggles with overrunning it and things like that, which I think just leads to the question, well, what is his role going to be? Because obviously if this guy's starting 17 games for you, it's probably not something you're very excited about. So I think that's the one thing, David, is just if he's not on the field, if it's just a depth signing, if it's just something along those lines, you don't have as much of a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I look at this more in the mold of a you know a late you know type of signing like they did with Nick Vigil, just a, as a backup role. This is not a guy that you want to be on the field, and you probably don't want him on the field as much as Nick Vigil was on the field when he was with the Chargers. I'd either. rather have Nick Vigil. <laughs> yeah, oh no, for sure. And I'm definitely not saying that either, but. Um, he definitely does bring a lot of special team snaps to the table. He had 282 special team snaps last year. A lot of that was on kickoff and, and punt return. So, I mean, he was on those units a lot. You know, he played 20-plus snaps. But as far as a linebacker, the only thing I can really say as a positive is that he is a high Everett guy. At least, you know, he's definitely trying. He has that, you know, I'm going to play to the end of the whistle. That doesn't always bode well for him because he over-pursues sometimes. But um, I think that you're going to see this guy um, as, you know, a backup and definitely very, very much prevalent on special teams for the Chargers. Yeah, and I can see the special teams part of it. But, like, also – that's kind of what you have Bong for, right? That's kind of what you drafted Nick Neiman for. Chief yeah. dudes that can go in and play special teams. And both of those dudes did play special teams last year a lot for the Chargers. And we'll talk about those two guys at the end of the show a little bit more. But it does seem like it could be because of their lack of experience, right? That's one place yeah. where you could say, well, hey, after Kenneth Murray, after Drew Tranquil, both guys who missed games due to injury last year, you need someone that knows Brand Staley's system. You need someone who's done it. But it's like, okay. Maybe go back with the guy who was your best linebacker last year and has a year of experience in your defense, which is the same amount of time as Troy Reader has, right? And I think that's the main thing that fans talked about with this signing is like, hey, how are you going to go sign this guy and let Kazir White walk, right, for relative pennies, a $3 million contract with incentives up to $5 Because it's like even if this guy comes in and signs for a $1 million, I'd rather spend the $2 million more, David, to bring in Kazir White. And the only thing that kind of comes to my mind is this just because, like, if you bring Kazir White back, he knows he's a starter, right? And that obviously muddies things a little bit for Kenneth Murray to start. You know, obviously those are kind of the rumors that go around. But, like, there's just – it's hard to kind of justify a signing like this when you let a guy like that go. Well, yeah, I mean, especially considering what you were seeing out of Kaiser White. I mean, he was an ascending His player. season, yeah. Everything was coming together for him. And, you know, you, you got him in a defense that kind of accentuates – the hybrid role that he was brought into the NFL to do. I mean, a guy that can be adequate in coverage, a guy that was really, really learning how to fit the run and do that effectively 140 plus tackles. I mean, 53 of run stops. He was doing literally everything that you were asking him to do. And he was peaking at the right time. So I just didn't understand why you would give up on a player who is clearly on his way up in the league and he's still young and still can get even better than what he did this year. So that move still doesn't make sense to me. And we're not going to love all of the moves that the chargers make. Hopefully this is a move when we look back on things that makes a little bit more sense or is a, has a little bit more clarification because right now it's still something I'm having a little bit of trouble with. Well, when you compare apples to apples like that, right? And, and it's not really because I'm sure it's going to be right. cheaper. If it isn't, I mean, hey, if, if you really want a special teams player, put Kazir White out there. Like, it's better than not, you know, having <laughs> him on your team anymore. Like, yeah. I'd rather keep him around. But it reminds me a little bit of Adrian Phillips where, like, nobody was really valuing Kazir White. And he found that out, unfortunately, in free agency. He should have signed for more 
I mean, I was surprised at how little that contract for him was absolutely was for him. But like, yeah, there were some frustrating moments, especially in run fits. He had some bad moments over pursuing. I mean, he had a couple of plays where, you know, near the end zone against the Broncos, not tackling Teddy Bridgewater. Like there was a couple yeah. of frustration moments like that with him. But like when you look at the entire picture, when you're not parsing and picking out individual plays, like he was just easily and far and away your best linebacker. And he goes away for three million dollars, and now you're bringing in, you know, someone who's been loathed by Rams fans over the last three seasons in Troy Reader. But the other part of this is, David, is is this kind of indicating that maybe Kenneth Murray is going to be out longer than we think he's going to be? You know, maybe they feel like they do need to have this because Kenneth Murray just got a surprise ankle surgery last week, and we have to get into kind of that dilemma because that was kind of a weird thing getting an ankle surgery like that 10 weeks after the season's over, you know, almost three months after the season is over. So we had to talk about that and if we're kind of buying his reasons and if we think he can still become a good player, right, or be at least a lot better than he was last year. So we're going to get into that coming up after this. But I do need to tell you guys, the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is betonline.net, the number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all of your latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Definitely glad to have baseball back because there's just so many games every single day. Action all the time, and the best action is always with BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today and check it with your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, David, well, we talked about the newest linebacker to the team, Troy Reader coming in from the Los Angeles Rams. And, I mean, the you know, connections continue right throughout the NFL. Brandon Staley has guys out there and he's been bringing a lot of those guys in. But thank you guys again for making us your first listen. If you need a second listen, you want to keep up with everything going on around the NFL, make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast, the best experts from around the Locked On Podcast Network, covering everything Monday through Friday from around the league. But one player we don't need any information on, David, is Kenneth Murray because we've watched all of his young career so far, now entering his third season. And he's a polarizing player. I mean, the first thing you have to talk about is just the fact that the Chargers traded back up into the first round the year that they got Justin Herbert, right? They took Justin Herbert sixth overall. Then they trade back into the first round to get Kenneth Murray and have to get rid of their third round pick to move their second round pick up to the first, right? But that's going to put high expectations on you. And being a first round player in general is going to. But there's almost no way to say that he's kind of lived up to it, right? Especially coming off of his worst season. So that's one of those things too that when you're looking at the linebacker position, you know, the unit as a whole, why the Chargers bringing in Troy Reader, they already have kind of another, you know, struggling linebacker in there. But maybe this could be somewhat of an insurance policy because as we found out last week, Kenneth Murray just had ankle surgery. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that you can look at it a different way, honestly. Uh, I mean, it kind of happened, you know, subsequently after we found out about that surgery. We don't know the recovery timetable. That's the toughest part because it's like maybe it's, you know, minor. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's going to be out a couple months. We don't know yet. We don't know how much of the offseason he's going to miss. No, we don't. But what we what we do know, unfortunately, is that Kenneth Murray has been plagued with injuries the entire time that he's been in the NFL. And uh, unfortunately, we have not really been able to see the best version of Kenneth Murray, that that college version that we saw on tape that was so enticing where we saw a linebacker that was actually exploding through, you know, the, the tackles and being able to run sideline to sideline and making impact plays. We haven't unfortunately seen that individual in a Chargers uniform yet. 
No, we haven't. And I mean, I guess the the Troy Reader news would make some sense as far as an insurance plan if you don't think Kenneth Murray is going to be ready for the start of the season. But it's obviously not a great backup plan, I would say. But let's get to actually what happened with injury because, I mean, the Kenneth Murray surgery was a surprise. We know he got hurt last year. He missed six weeks before the Monday Night Football game against the Raiders is when he got hurt, missed six weeks, came back. And in his words, played through the injuries for the rest of the season, right? But he never really looked right. Yeah, You know, the instincts weren't there. A lot of things are wrong. But when we saw him getting surgery, it's like, okay, well, why are you getting surgery three months after the season? Now, right? You know, right? a significant yeah. other made a post on Instagram. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 surgery. You know, what are we talking about here? He did end up responding to it on social media. He said, so I got hurt two days before a Monday Night Football game week four versus the Raiders. It was an ankle injury. I was running my footstep on a goalpost pylon. By the end zone, which made it worse. Not your regular ankle sprain. Not laughing at that, but like, what are, you know, what are the chances of that? I was down yeah. for a while, around seven weeks, not being able to walk, and then basically dealing with it the rest of the year after that. But then he said they told him originally that all he had to do was wait eight to ten weeks, let it heal naturally, that it didn't need surgery, which is why he waited. But then after rechecking the MRI because he started running and it was still hurting after those ten weeks, after not putting any weight on it, basically for ten weeks it was still hurting. That's when they decided to get the surgery. So I definitely did think it was weird, David, when we saw that random surgery kind of coming from Kenneth Murray for a guy that, you know, like, hey, let this dude just have a full offseason and not have anything to kind of worry about there. And then you see something like this, but I'm definitely kind of buying that's probably what happened. Oh, yeah. No, no I, reason I think that, to think that he would be lying. No, I, that definitely sounds sounds right. I mean, uh, the, surgery is the last resort, right? I mean, they want to exhaust sure. every single kind of other preventative medicine that they can to avoid surgery. I mean, cause obviously, you know, th- there's a high you know probability or likelihood that of a, a surgery being su- successful, depending on what that surgery is, but there are complications in every surgery that you have. Anytime that you open somebody up, something can go wrong. So, I mean, they want to try to exhaust everything else that they can do before resorting to surgery. So, you know, having him rest for eight, eight to 10 weeks, that doesn't sound like it's out of the realm of possibility there. But it just seems very strange at this moment here that he's having surgery and he's going to be out for, you know, conceivably, you know, two, you know, two to three months. Obviously, we don't have a timeline. Yeah, we have but no idea. That's, that's the thing. We have no idea what, you know, the result of this surgery is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not going to speculate on any timetable at this point, just because right. we don't know. You'd like to think, yeah, if they were telling him he could rest it for 10 weeks and without having to get anything done to it, that, you know, it would be something that would just be minor for him to fix. But we don't know, and they don't have to put out any injury reports or do any press conferences really to talk about it at this yeah. point in this, you know, the off season. But I think the problem is, though, is it's just you're potentially going into another year where, not that there's going to be a kind of like a built-in excuse, but like you could have the feeling after it that you really still haven't truly seen him out there with a full off season, right? When he's not dealing with anything, because like he wasn't injured his his first season, like he missed off season work because yeah. of recovering from shoulder surgery, but he played in all sixteen games, right? So it's hard; you can't really use that as an excuse for him. But going into year two, he ends up having a change in defensive coaches, moving to Brain and Staley's system. Didn't seem like he was fitting in super well even before the season start and borderline, you know, lost his job to Kazir White at one point. And that's when he was healthy, right? Or at least we were allowed to believe he was healthy. And then once he came back, he was just noticeably not the same player. And it was bad. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, I think the one that stood out to me the most as far as his stats, because one of the things I kept thinking and watching him, it's like, yeah, he's making tackles, but like it just seems like they're literally 10 yards down the field. Yeah. I was being hyperbolic, but it actually wasn't that far away from that, which is crazy. 
the average depth of tackle for Kenneth Murray was 7.9 yards down the field, which really lends itself, yeah, to the, you know, not processing things quickly. I mean, having a bum ankle, right, and and not being able to explode to get to ball carriers and stuff in front of you is perfectly plausible as well. But that ranked 97th out of 97 linebackers with 100 run defense snaps last year, right? A lot of people were banged up dealing with things. He also... David, I mean, when you're looking at the average at the tackle, the next closest person at the very bottom, the 96th ranked player, 6.3, right? So that's wow. a, so that's a, a pretty significant gap there too. Kazir White, for comparison, was at 3.9. But the other part of it was is is not just were you getting late two tackles, right? Because if you're giving him nine yards before you tackle on somebody, you're not going to stop any team ever. He missed 19.4% of his tackles, David. And that's just yeah. like – they're obviously the ankle is not right. I mean, some of the season, obviously, you would think going into week four it was, but those are like inexcusable numbers. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really, really bad. I mean, if you're not, you know, as a linebacker, you know, you're going to have to be able to cut and move and, and you're going to have to be able to fight off blocks. It's a very, you know, especially middle linebacker, it's a very physically demanding position. So if you're not 100%, man, it's going to be like hell to be able to produce and play like, you know, you, you're supposed to or that you, you know, confident that you can when you're healthy. But it also not only, you know, expressed itself uh, there against the run, it also showed itself very prevalently uh, as, a, you know, against the pass too. And it was very, very bad. I mean, he was targeted 15 times. He gave up 14 receptions, 132 yards, and 115 of those 132 yards, Daniel, were after the catch. Yeah. That no, is absolutely abysmal. It is. I mean, and, and you could see it. And I think that the more damning thing there is just, you know, Brandon Saley and his comments like, hey, we're putting this guy in there because we feel like he has the best chance covering dudes man to man. And like he just got shredded that entire Raiders game. I, it's hard because like he wasn't great his rookie year right but he was a lot better than he was last year it's hard to believe that he would have fallen off that much they're extenuating circumstances like we've covered with it and i think if you were trying to make the case for him at least getting better like i think it's hard to imagine at this point him living up to expectations right being a first round pick but it doesn't mean he can't get a lot better because there's a lot of gray area in between where he was last year and living up to, you know, first-round linebacker potential. They, they, he can get better and still not make it to those marks. And I think that if you're making the argument, you'd say, hey, listen, they had me playing edge defender last year out of nowhere. They just switched my position, yeah. right? Like, yeah. switched defensive schemes. I had to learn it all on the fly, and I was never really caught up in Gus Bradley's scheme to begin with. And that's obviously somewhat of an indictment on him. But the other thing, too, is, like, he has to get better at, you know, shedding tackers, shedding blockers, and, and you know, reading, reacting, knowing where to fit in this Brandon Staley defense. And he can do all those things better. So, like, yeah, it's hard to get excited about him as a player right now. I'm I'm not holding out hope that he's going to be good, but I have to hope that Brandon Staley can't just be that blindly, you know, following, hey, I need to use this guy in some way if it just isn't working. And in his short time with the Rams, he didn't do that. If guys weren't working, he'd bring in the next guy. But it's time to talk about the next guys because there's a few more guys in that linebacker room that we have to get into Nick Neiman, Amen, our boy Bong Ogbog Bamiga, and Drew Tranquil, another guy maybe that's not getting talked about enough. And we're going to get into that coming up after this. But I need to tell you guys if you have 
any kind of auto part that you need, there's only one place to go, and it's rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to keep up with everything that you need. So why endure often pointless or intimidating questioning by the counter man who's probably going to ask you questions you're not going to know the answer to when you can do it from your house with a family-owned business and save money. I've used it several times now already. You go to the website, you type in the type of car you have, and a few clicks later, you can find the part that you need. If it was simple enough for me to use it, I promise it's simple enough for you to use it. And the best part is you're saving money. I mean, nobody has money for car stuff, right? Like anytime anything goes wrong with your car, it's like I don't have an extra $500 to you know get new brake parts or whatever the case is. Pay as little as you possibly can, right? And when you're talking about Rock Auto, and why pay 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same price that you can get at Rock Auto for much, much cheaper, and you're obviously supporting a family-owned business. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck in right lockdown and their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, David. Well, somehow this episode, you know, with the Troy Reader news turned into like a linebacker breakdown. And, you know, we'll have another time to kind of talk about that during the offseason after we see what the draft is. Right now you have five dudes, though. So, like, it's fair to wonder, you know, how many more additions you're going to be bringing in. If you are going to bring somebody in in the draft, how high are you going to bring them in? Obviously, you've talked about Nicobe Dean before. We've talked about Devin Lloyd. We've also talked about, you know, yesterday, Leo Chanel. You know, guys that could come in and compete in that group and bring some different elements to the table because you don't really have anyone that excels in any one thing. That's what you're going to kind of learn when we get into these guys. It's just like you don't have a, a, a pure coverage linebacker. You don't have a pure run-stuffing linebacker. You have a kind of a lot of guys who are somewhere in the middle, more Cleaners. well-rounded players, but also jack-of-all-trades, master of none. So let's talk about the one guy here, David, that I'm – I mean – Sounds weird that I'd hold out hope for him and not Kenneth Murray, but Drew Tranquil is the guy that I am curious about and interested in going into this season because as much as Kenneth Murray, you know, has the other things that are potentially stopping him from reaching his full potential, Drew Tranquil has similar kind of, you know, things that he could use as far as, hey, I had to change defenses last year as well. I pretty much won the starting job coming out of camp and played well leading up to camp. Dealt with a few injuries last year, but it was also coming off a season that he totally lost due to injury Ryan came in and was okay I mean I think that's the best way to play it put it it was up and down it wasn't as good as his outstanding rookie season where he made his way into the team through special teams and ended up being a really significant part of the defense and just a really good player so like we have seen him play at a pretty high level injuries have been a problem and obviously you know didn't seem like he was fitting as well as we thought he would last year after you know really lighting up the preseason looking really good in training camp and it just didn't totally correlate. And part of that could be the defensive tackles in front of you, right? Because that's what Brandon Staley's defense is. It's like you're putting a lot on the defensive tackles to clear things up for the linebackers. So they're just cleaning up. They're just plugging the holes. They know exactly where to be. I think there was a little bit of everything. I mean, there was not a lot of missed tackles. He's a very sure tackler. But I think it was kind of misdiagnosing some holes at times, over-pursuing in Brandon Staley's defense, not being able to see clearly through the traffic with guys kind of getting blown up in front of him. But I still go into this season, maybe it's just because like he's the one hope, he's the guy I've actually seen do it, that Drew Tranquil could come back and have a significantly better year than he had in 2021. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I, th- I think a, a large reason for that, Daniel, is because I th- he's an incredibly intelligent person. I mean, whenever you listen to him at press conferences, like 
he he can really you know he can speak. Said some pretty dumb COVID stuff, but anyways, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking along. football related. I mean, just when we talk, when he talks X's and O's, it seems like he has a very good grasp on what's going on in the defense. So you you can see, hopefully, that will you know translate onto the field when he has another year getting into the system, having an entire offseason, being able to review play tape, being being able to diagnose and correct sure. some of those things, some of those mistakes that he made last year. Because when healthy. I think Drew Tranquil has a lot of, of the skill sets that you're looking for. I think he's pretty decent in coverage. I think he can fit the run. And I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do when he has some really, really good defensive tackles that are working in front of him. Earlier in the season, like there were some things he was doing really well. Like it seemed like when they would blitz him to try to, you know, free up yes. Joey Bosa for single teams, like he was getting in, he was getting downhill fast. Also, some of the things that we saw before the season, you know, training camp, preseason, blowing up screenplays, getting the balls in the backfield, really nice reads and getting to the ball quickly. But his average depth of tackle last year was about five and a half, which was very down. I think it was 80th in the league out of 97 players. So he was down there as well, not fitting the runs always correctly, overrunning some plays that we talked about. And he can get better. He will have, you know, a season to look back on. And and we don't know how much the injuries affected him because he was banged up throughout the season right but you still know that you've seen him play at a high level so i think you're just hoping you can kind of get back to that and brandon staley can kind of unlock some of the things that made him so good his first year in the nfl and i think outside of him like it's easier to feel good about him than pretty much any of the rest of the guys that we're going to talk about on this list but let's get to the next one the one that the Chargers suppose will be very high on our boy Bong, who didn't play a ton last season, and he came in as an undrafted free agent rookie. He was one of our favorites to make the squad last year just as a guy who, you know, had some of the chops, all Big 12 guy, linebacker for four years, a lot of production in college, and then didn't get drafted. And he's a guy I think a lot of people thought would get drafted. And he ended up making the team, which is a huge win for him. And he came in to be a special teams player. But what we keep hearing, you know, is people saying on Twitter, hey, they really like this guy. They think he can be someone. But we don't have very much to kind of go off there. He only played 111 defensive snaps last year. Yeah, only 111 snaps, only 20 tackles, four missed tackles in that, four stops. I mean, he just didn't play a whole lot on defense for you to really get a good grasp of what he's going to be able to do. And that's another theme about this linebacker group, Daniel. It's just a lot of inexperience. There's not a guy out there that has, you know, a thousand plus snaps in the season, you know, that, you know, has you know, played 16 games year after year after year. There's a lot of younger players, which, I mean, I know that's going along with the themes, but you do need some veterans in there every once in a while. And this group is definitely devoid of that. Well, I think the tough thing is like you have five dudes, you know, that you feel pretty good about all making the team. Yet it still feels like linebackers in need, right? Yeah. It's still a guy yeah. we're circling. It's still guys that we're looking at when the upcoming draft comes. And like, if you have that many guys that you know are going to make the team, it probably shouldn't go like that. No, you're absolutely right. And I just think that with these guys, it's just too soon to tell probably, right? Is uh-huh. is You know, that's not a sexy thing to say. Like, we'll have to wait and see. But like, I think all you can do at this point is hope because like there yeah. is a ton of inexperience. I mean, we don't know what the situation is with Kenneth Murray, but it's hard to feel great about this group right now, even though we know they have a lot of players. It's like not even like they don't have enough depth there. It seems like they do, you know, because they have yeah. four guys, five guys, you know, that you feel like they could play at some point. 
Nick Neiman is probably the more special teams focused guy of the group. I would have liked to have seen him get more snaps, but he was mostly special teams in his first season. And I think with Eamon Ogbongbomiga, there were some really good flashes. And there was a couple times like, whoa, where did he come from? And a couple times where he got in the backfield and almost made a spectacular play and missed the tackle, right? So you yeah, saw some of that stuff it. there. With Nick Neiman, wasn't really a lot of that. Like, came in a couple garbage time games just as, like, part of the cleanup crew, basically. Played less than, you know, 70 snaps on the season and played a ton of special teams. And, like, at least that's what the feeling is out there right now is maybe they're not thinking that this guy is going to be a future starter down the road, and maybe he is just more of a special teams demon, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely how he was used, uh, you know, this past year, 363 special team snaps and 11 special teams tackles. So, I mean, he was yeah. very effective on special teams when he was given those opportunities. So you'd like to he- like to see that. But for me, personally, I, I think Nick Neiman's a guy I like as a coverage player. I think he's got a- above average speed as a linebacker, and I feel like they can get some productive snaps out of him in that specific capacity if they were to uh, introduce him in that fashion. I I like that skill set that he has. I think he can move and he's got some uh, decent agility. So, I mean, as far as his application to the defense, I'd like to see that a little bit more. But, yeah, special teams is where he shines. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, too, because at Iowa, he wasn't playing any coverage, really. You know, right. he, he I think he had, like, one pass broken up in his right. entire, you know, Iowa career. So it's hard to project that. I mean, he did put up, you know, relatively good RAS scores and things like that. His relative athletic score was high. But it's kind of like thinking yesterday to, like, Aliyah Chanel, right? His agility grades are good. His overall speed is really good, elite even, compared to some other linebackers. But you never really saw him playing coverage. And when he was in coverage, he wasn't doing a lot. And, you know, it goes more to than just the physical, right? It's what is your awareness? What is your, you know, how what, yeah. how is your spatial awareness if you're going to be running zone coverages? Are you hitting your landmarks? Are you getting to the right spot? Are you getting into passing links? A lot of those things are a feel thing. So if you yeah. weren't doing it a lot in college, it can be tough to come into the league and, and kind of learn these things. But I, that's the thing with the Chargers, though, is they're not, at least last year, weren't asking their linebackers to do a ton. No. In coverage, the, the, the assignments didn't seem very difficult, at least from you know the bird's eye view of it. But I do think that this is one of the most volatile position groups on the Chargers team because I think at this point you just don't really know what to expect because 100%. none of the guys on the roster you saw play well for the Chargers last season. No, yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. I mean, that's why you when you look at this position group, Daniel, it, it's a little bit scary to me. I mean, the inexperience yeah. there, the the health issues. I mean, you couple that with, you know, guys that don't have any, you know, just strong, clear, you know, skill sets that they bring to the table. That's another thing. I mean, that's why when you look at this draft, you can't, you know, come out of it without adding a linebacker that has a dominant trait of some kind. I just think that that is a missing piece with this very young, very inexperienced unit. And we'll see how it all ends up shaking out and if anyone can kind of rise above the cluster that is right now and and earns a clear starting role and outplays the other guys there but i do think with this unit though it's hard to have super high expectations for it but you also said brandon staley have the number one defense with the rams in 2020 and they didn't have any linebackers so it's not as if they can't deal without it it's just hard to feel really good about any of the guys that they currently have but one dude i am feeling good about going into next season is donna parham into his third professional season and we just found out he is going to, or he has signed his tender and will be back with the Chargers potentially for a starting role. And that's what the report was. We're going to get into that tomorrow. So to make sure you don't miss it, subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show 
for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. If you like the show, please rate and review. We really appreciate seeing that, and there's a lot of long nights, and it definitely gets us through it. So thank you guys for that, and thank you for making us your first listen. If you guys need a Locked On NFL Draft show to listen to, I have the one that's Locked On NFL Draft show, as I just said. Make sure you guys check that out with Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy as things heat up with the draft only a couple of weeks away. But you can also find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DroTalkSD. We post the show to both of our accounts every day and also on our at LAC Twitter account too. You can also find us on Instagram at LockedOnChargers and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. Fan Mail Friday is also coming up, guys. If you want to get some voicemails in for that, the number is 323-524-7924. But you can also hit us up on Twitter with questions in the YouTube comments or anywhere, really. Instagram, Facebook, wherever. We'll find them. We'll get them on the show. But make sure you guys are back here with us tomorrow to talk about Donald Parham signing his tender and what the tight end room is looking like. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.